Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Good morning, Harvest. It's so good to see you. Um, I don't know, should we try that one more? Not the good morning part. Don't you like, let's say one more. I just, I almost felt like there was a half-hearted greeting of one another. Should we try one more time and just get a little more rousing? Like, so glad you're here or like... Bro, just start the message. Which one do you, you going to go with? Okay, let's go with a little more rousing. How about it, okay? Glad you all agreed with me. Uh, let's stand up one more time and uh, greet those around us like this is the last day you'll ever see them. up to the people. All right. Hey, that was a little better. <laughs> it's kind of like, and and I, part of that is just because today we're talking about partnership and um, how that relates to what we also have in the past called membership here at Harvest. And so some of the things or the main thing, or the main idea that I want to get across today is that partnership matters. Partnership matters. So if you want to, if you have your Bibles with you or you want to go on your phones and Bible Gateway or whatever it is that you use, but open up to Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. And today our focus will be on partnership. It's real. As you'll see throughout the service, heavy focus of what we want to do. I'm going to read those verses for you. If you don't have anything with you to read, um, hopefully you can read what I have up here in terms of slides I do confess, every time I read the first part of this, I always think of the police, where it says, uh, every breath you take kind of thing, where Paul says, every time I think of you, and I guess I think I just hear the police in the background, but here we go. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, with delight, for you have been my partners in ministry, and we have been in fellowship in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And I'd have to say, quite honestly, as I'm listening to myself, that was kind of a weak reading. Because I think if I'm understanding what Paul's actually writing, there's a lot more joy and delight. He is like, I am so filled with absolute delight that I get to be partners with you, the Philippian church. This is awesome. And I think of you so much that when I pray, I'm like, this is like great. This is exciting. This is wonderful. I just love to pray for you guys because we're partners in ministry. We fellowship together as we proclaim this message of who Jesus is to a dying world. So that's the verses that we're going to look at. And I want to just kind of introduce it in this manner. One of the frequently asked questions in the partnership class is, come on, man, is church membership or church partnership, is it really in the Bible? And uh, I love that question because to me, when I look at that question, I, I give a hearty, no, no, it's not. Church membership, church partnership, as we practice it today, is not in Scripture. So when you're looking at Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 people come to Christ, come to the church, they didn't sit down and say, okay, everybody, 
Now you have to go through the church membership partnership class before you can actually be a part of our church. That did not happen. So really, the lack of an example and the lack of a principle, like in Philippians 5, Paul doesn't write, thou shalt be a member of the first church of Philippi. With that lack that's there, realistically, as we practice partnership, membership today is not in the Bible. But I think it's biblical. Stop for a minute. It's not in the Bible, but I think it's biblical. And that's what I hopefully will be able to show us by the end of today. So let's read these verses again. Maybe I'll read it a little bit better with a little bit more emotion as to what I think Paul is saying. But he says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy, with delight, For you have been my partners in ministry, and we have been in fellowship in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. There's a sense of excitement. Now, first of all, I want to, I'm just going to give you the big picture here, kind of like a satellite view. Like if you ever do Google Maps, they have this satellite view, and then eventually we'll get into the treetops of the, and then ultimately into the forest. But what Paul is saying in these verses is pretty simple. He has a very special relationship with the Philippians. He takes great delight in them, so much so that whenever he thinks of them, there's a sense of excitement. Like, these people, man, I really, really, really am so grateful and so thankful for you. Just when I think about you, it fills me with joy. So as I'm thinking about this, I had to think about who are some people in my life that when I think about them, it fills me with great joy. You know, obviously all of you here, and obviously my family, but I wanted to expand it a little bit because Paul is writing to the Philippians, not while he's in Philippi, but while he's in Rome, which is about anywhere from 1,500 to 2,000 miles away. And what he's saying is, when I think about you, I'm so filled with delight. So I had to think of some people who are people in my life who don't go to harvest, but whom I've experienced spreading or proclaiming the gospel with in the past. And I think, first of all, uh, the guy that was very instrumental in leading me to Christ, Mike Ryan, which I've mentioned his name a few times in the past. If you ever want to listen to the 115 messages that I've given at Harvest or so, and eventually you'll hear his name a couple times. But Mike was the guy who said to me, uh, hey, Frank, when you die, do you know if you're going to go to heaven? And I was like, I don't know, but I sure hope so. And he said, you hope so? What's wrong with you? You can know. And so I'm always thankful. Whenever I think of him, I think, wow, that guy, I'm here today because of him. Or some of you are going, no, I don't really like crying anymore because you're here. But hopefully everybody is like you do. I also think of someone, uh, Sharon Bach. You probably don't know who Sharon Bach is. Some of you do if you've ever went to Grace Baptist Church, my first church. Whenever I think of Sharon, I'm always thankful for Sharon because anything that we do, like if we ever want to go somewhere on missions, I can just send her a prayer letter, pray for us. Uh, Can you help us out? She always gives, and she gives beyond. And So whenever I think of her, I'm thankful because I know, hey, here is someone who I have partnered with in ministry in proclaiming the gospel. And whenever I think of her, I'm thankful. And even today, it's been almost, uh, almost a year now, but Jen Cho also, in the 2017 year, the year I had my stroke six years ago, she was someone who was there helping us through the Tuba City stuff. So that when I think of certain people, and many of you here are included in that, there's this sense of joy and delight in knowing we have been together in Christ, proclaiming Christ to people, and that 
bursts within a thankfulness and a joy and a delight. So that's kind of the big picture of what's happening here with Paul to the Philippians. Now, if we're going to get a little bit closer to the top of the trees, uh, I want us to look at slide one. Let's look at slide one, which could be this one here. Um, It says this, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy and delight. For you've been my partners in ministry, and we have been in fellowship in the spreading of the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. Now, if you'll notice anything different about these verses, you'll see that the partners and the fellowship is capitalized for a reason. And in the original language, the word there is koinonia, something, a word that we have heard over and over again in church life. And what this word actually means for us in this original language, like it says, is someone who is partner. It's partnership. It's fellowship. It's communion. It's coming alongside of someone and being with them. And so the whole idea of what Paul is trying to tell the Philippians is pretty simple. My great joy is the fact that we have something in common. There's a communion. There's something that draws us together, something that brings us together as a family that really brings this joy out. So it's not just the fact that I know you, because when I look around the church here, there's a lot of great people here. You don't even have to be Christian. You're just really good people. You'd be great to know. And Paul would probably say the same thing about the Philippians. But what he's saying that even other than the fact that you're really good people, we have something in common. We have a fellowship, something in which we've been together in. And the book of Philippians has many other uses of this. I'm going to go through a few of them. And Paul is telling them what he has in common with the Philippians. Philippians chapter 1 verse 7 says this. So it is right that I should feel as I do about all of you, for you have a special place in my heart. You share with me, and there's that word, koinonia. You share with me the special favor of God. You share with me the grace of God, both in my imprisonment and in defending and confirming the truth of the good news. What he's saying is we have something together. We have a common grace. Me, Paul, here in Rome, in my prison, and you, the Philippians, in Philippi, Even at a great distance, we have something in common. It is the grace of God. God looked at our situation, saw that we were in dire need, and then through grace and mercy poured out upon us, we have something in common. So even as we sit here today and ICC is getting ready to meet at 1130 and there are churches all over this community are sitting down and and worshiping and, and hearing God's word, we all have something in common. We have a fellowship. We have a koinonia. There's something we are with on together, and it is the grace of God. The follower of Jesus understands the favor and the grace of God when God looks at me, when he looks at us, and he sees our need, he sees our sinfulness, and he says, I will give you grace. That is something that we have in common together. Second thing, a fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 1 says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship, koinonia, together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? What Paul's saying is we have something in common. We have the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus right now, there is a person who lives within us, in our spirit, the Holy Spirit, and we have all of this in common. And so what Paul's saying, listen, we have so much in common, the grace of God, the Spirit of God living within us. There's so much 
withness, togetherness, fellowship, and partnership. And that's why he's so full of joy and delight. But he doesn't stop there. Chapter 3, verse 10, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer. And in the original language, the idea is to share with him. I want to get in the midst of it. I want to get my hands dirty. I want to really know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I also want to know his death. Isn't that crazy? I mean, Christianity is supposed to be a a power religion, right? We want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection and feel the power of being able to follow after and all that stuff. But Paul says, beyond that, here's something we share. Here's something I want to share with Jesus. I also want to share in his suffering, in his death. I mean, he is so, I'll say, and and hopefully he won't be mad at me when, when I see him in heaven, but he is so obsessed with Jesus. He says everything about Jesus. I want to be with that. I don't want to miss anything. This whole experience of Jesus, I want to get the whole thing because I want to know Jesus completely. And he says, we have that fellowship together. And he finishes with this. As he talks about a fellowship of support, he says, even so, in chapter 4, verses 14 and 15, even so, you have done well to share with. There's that koinonia. Share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave, who fellowshiped, who were with me and gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia. No other church did this. You see, to Paul, this church matters. Their partnership matters. He's looking at them and saying, we have so much together, so much with, so much uh, come on, coming alongside of, so it's a sense of, of, of the, how do you say this, of, of Paul sensing this special connection that he has with these followers of Christ. Here's the bottom line. The idea of koinonia, partnership, fellowship means communion. To come alongside of, to be with. And yet, when you look at all of these instances, there's just something that's more that's there. Why? Because remember, Paul is not in the same space. Like right now, we're all in the same space. So I could say, I love being with you. It's simple to say, right? But if I said here, I love being with ICC, and I do, I enjoy being there, but I just love being there, and I'm talking about it now. I'm not with them. I'm not present with them. So Paul is talking about something grander than being in shared space. He's talking about a shared passion, Jesus Christ. He's sharing about a shared purpose, sharing and proclaiming the message of Jesus to a world that needs to care about this God that loves them passionately and wants them to know him. And so his excitement and his joy is because there's this partnership, this fellowship, this coming alongside of one another, this being with people that really matters to him. Because Paul's prayer for the Philippians is from a distance. And he's rejoicing in a common grace that they have. And ultimately, he's glad because he has received not only financial support, but spiritual support from these people. See, the intended meaning of partner and fellowship is this. It is being with. It is being present. It is being there. How many of you guys know who Aziz Ansari is? Right? A good portion of people. 
I've only seen park and recreations once, maybe, and I I know, right? Maybe I'll become Christian. (laughs) I don't don't like that kind of stuff, sorry. But I was reading a book, and the guy was sharing how after his experience, Aziz realized something, that he's off. He's missed the purpose of life. And in realizing that there were two things that helped them, I'm not going to explain the first one because it requires reading the book. But the second one that he missed is that he realized life was more than just acclamations or, 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 or appreciation or prize. It's actually being someone or being with someone. And he learned it at the bedside of his grandmother in hospice care. He learned what it was like to actually be with someone, to sit there and listen to their stories, enjoy being with them in the present. And he goes, that's when I realized this is what life is really about. It's not about all those things that we accumulate. It's about being with people. And I don't know if he's a follower of Christ or not. I don't know the man. I probably couldn't even recognize him walking down the street. But his point, the idea of being with people is one of the biggest purposes of life is astounding if you really think about it. I was sitting here walking back and forth, and how many of you have seen the movie Titanic? I know like some of you weren't even born then, right? And no, I was not on that Titanic. I am not that old, just in case you're thinking. But do you remember that scene where the grandma and the grandpa, I'm going to tear up because I don't know why, but it does, but... They're they're lying in the bed together and the water's rising. That's being, I mean, like what they're basically saying is, we're going to die, man. The ship is going down, but I'm with you and that's all that matters. That's partnership. That's fellowship. Those are people who get it. The reason we're here today is not because we're part of a church, a local church. The reason we're here today is not because we're part of a network. The reason we are supposed to be here today is because we have something in common. His name is Jesus, and his purpose is to tell a dying world, there's life, there's love, and you can have it. That's the being with. You know, I love this church not because, oh, yeah, yeah, you get a paycheck, but I love being here because I get the weird privilege and honor to walk with a lot of you through your pain. I don't like to do it because it hurts. I don't like people being sad. I don't enjoy that. But to think that people actually call me and say, hey, can you walk with me through this? Can you be with me? Because that's really the only thing I do. I'm not as smart as Pastor Dave. I don't have the great words that he often comes up with. All I have is I'm here. That's it. But I think that is what Paul is talking about when he says we are partners, we are in fellowship, we are with one another. That's, I think, is the, the total purpose of church, of partnership, and of fellowship. Now, here's the crazy thing. I first want us to understand because there are some things fellowship and partnership is not. And one of those is the coffee and cake afterwards here at church. Okay, I get a little personal, but let's be honest. There's nothing wrong with it, okay? And I'm going to tell you right now, please spend a lot of money on the bake sale, okay? So I'm not, I'm not saying anything wrong about that. What I'm saying is just because we gather as Christians does not mean that we are having fellowship. In the same way, we could be sitting in this service right now, and there could be no fellowship going on whatsoever, no partnership, nothing. Because ultimately, partnership, ultimately, fellowship 
is about coming together, being with one another, proclaiming Christ, proclaiming the good news. That's what fellowship is. It's not a bad thing to be around Christians. I would encourage you to do that all the time. But if we're sitting out there just eating donuts or all the great stuff that is out there to eat today, and we're just talking about sports or politics or whatever, that is not fellowship. That is not partnership. It's the same thing like golf. Golf is a weird thing, right? You can go golfing with three other Christians, and you can go out there and have four hours of absolutely no fellowship whatsoever because you never talk about Jesus. And yet the crazy thing is, you can go out and play golf with three other Christians and have the greatest fellowship in that four and a half hours than you ever do at a Sunday service because you're not partnering with someone. So what I want us to understand is the partnership, the fellowship, it's about Jesus. It is not about getting together only. That is not fellowship. That is not partnership. This is not partnership. This church at this moment, if you just sit here and listen and we don't respond. Partnership and fellowship is us getting together, being with one another, doing something by proclaiming Christ and the message of good news that he brings. It reminds me so often of Tuba City. I miss Tuba City. Because at Tuba City, I had the honor to be with these youth group students and see them talk about Jesus, to see them share this gospel of love with little kids all ages, to see kids climbing over them, to see our students teaching scripture so that they can learn about Jesus, that is being with them. That is partnering in ministry. That is fellowship. Now, don't leave here thinking that I'm knocking golf. I'm not. Don't think here, leave here thinking that I'm knocking having refreshments afterwards. I am not. All I'm saying is when we talk about partner and fellowship, Let us use it in a way in which the Bible teaches partnership and fellowship. Partnership is not about being in the same physical space only. It's about a purpose, and it's about a person. I think I would put it this way. In the end, it's about being with people. And uh, how many of has anyone here other than Don Boardman served in the military? We have a few Navy guys, right? Uh, Albert. Is Albert here? Albert was in the Navy. Scott Choi, uh, by the way, his stepfather passed away, um, but he was in the Navy. Anybody else? Now, I've never been in the military, but I know this much. If you're in a foxhole and the enemy's coming, you want to know that the people that are next to you are going to be with you. You don't want to see their backsides fleeing the other way while you're standing. And I think that's what church is. The church is intended to be in partnership and fellowship that no matter what, even if this ship is sinking I am with you. I will not leave you, nor will I forsake you, because I follow Jesus, who says the same thing to me in everything that I have. All right, so is partnership biblical, the way we do it today? No, but is it important? Yes, it is. But let me get to a second thing. It serves this. Slide number two. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy and delight. For you have been my partners in ministry, and we have been in fellowship spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. In black, you'll notice that I have the good news about Christ. If I had to ask you a question right now, 
Maybe we could take a few seconds to do this. But if you had to define or describe the gospel, and my small group cannot do this because we did this last night, so I, I mean, you know, please don't. But if you had to, what would you say are the necessary ingredients of the gospel? So a little opportunity, a little interaction, because you guys look like you're falling asleep. So anybody, what are some necessary ingredients or parts of the gospel? And Marcus, you too, don't say anything. Yeah, I get the, you get the eyes, and you're going to ruin it, so keep it quiet. Anybody? Yeah, we're sinners. That's part of it, right? We're definitely, the gospel includes the fact that we have sinned uh, against God. All have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death. So that's definitely a part of the gospel. Anybody else? Tough answer, just say Jesus, right? <laughs> Jesus is a part of the gospel. The fact that Jesus is our Savior is a very important part of the gospel. But if that's only the things that we focus on for the gospel, we actually miss out on what the gospel really is. The gospel is good news. It's not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as authors and you needed a title. It's the good news. What's the good news? Well, we think the good news is that as sinners, Christ has come to save us from our sin. But that's not all the good news. The good news is that Christ, the King, the creator and sustainer of the universe, God himself has become like us. He has lived among us. He has walked, he has shown us who God is, shown us what God is like. And then as a part of that whole gospel process, he died for us on a cross for our sin that we might experience salvation. And not just leave it there, but one day when he died and then rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the gospel message says that Jesus Christ is still the king. Now, I don't even know how to put this in modern parlance because when we think about it, we think about presidents. We have nothing to do with kings, right? Like how many of you saw the coronation of um, King Charles III? How many? So you guys got to get something to do on Saturday morning. (laughs) I didn't. I don't care. I don't care about that king. Not one bit. I missed it. So what? Because in my American thinking, I have no idea what a king is other than a bad person because 250-some years ago, he wouldn't let us have our way. And I wasn't even around then. That's my concept of a king. But back then, when they thought of king, they would think of someone like Caesar who, do whatever he says goes. And so the gospel is about this king who has come to bring his kingdom and the way to experience his kingdom is to realize your sin and understand that he is a savior. And ultimately, after that, it's not just about going to heaven and being saved. It's the recognition that Jesus Christ is still king. He is still God on the throne. He is the one that we seek. He is the one that we serve. That's a better explanation of the gospel rather than it's about being a sinner and getting saved. Which is not to say that you guys give a better answer, but when we see that picture then we begin to understand what this partnership is about. The partnership isn't at all about being part of a denomination. It's not about being part of a local church. The partnership is that God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, says to me, join me. And I look at that and say, are you crazy? It baffles me that God would look at someone like me and say, please join me in my mission to bring my love to this world. And if you're honest, and I'm not trying to be mean, but my hope is you feel the same way. And yet Paul here says, listen, we have partnered. We have fellowship. We are proclaiming the gospel about Christ. 
It is not about us. The gospel is not about us and getting saved. The gospel is about Jesus. Paul's obsession, Paul's passion is to understand this Jesus. This is really what it's all about. My partnership in a church isn't about doing all the things that I think that I'm supposed to do. It's about being with the people of God as we come together and we just be with God. It doesn't mean that we don't do things, but the focus is on him. The focus is on being with him. So I ask you this then. Why do we have partnership? It's not biblical. or It's not stated clearly and directly in the Bible, but yet it's very biblical because the call is to come together, to be with one another, to walk alongside one another. Why do we need small groups? Because we need people who are, are coming together with us. And, and, and it's not about us versus them because that divides the world in a way it shouldn't be divided. It's about all of us. Everyone, whether they want Christ or not, still needs him. And so we, we come together because we need to be encouraged. We need to be comforted. We need to be rebuked, admonished, corrected. We need to carry one another's burdens. We need to confess our sins. All that happens in a community that comes together and partners and fellowships with one another because it says you matter to God. And because you matter to God and Christ is my king, then you matter to me. I may not appreciate you. I may not enjoy you. I may not like you, but you still matter. We are partners together in this to see that this Jesus whom we love and serve is raised so that people can see him and know that he loves the world. No matter who you are, you can come. Jesus doesn't raise these barriers and say, hey, Only these kind of people can come. Well, okay, yeah, he does. He says only those who repent. But repentance has nothing to do with ethnicity or anything else. Your height, your weight, nothing. It's about knowing Jesus for who he is. Coming, turning, repenting, and recognizing that he is God. And it is him whom we follow. He is the reason why we are here. Our unity as a church is not based on the common purpose of what we think is here that Harvest is supposed to have, and we should have one. But the common purpose that we really ultimately deeply have is that we come together because of Jesus, and we want to proclaim him. That's why I believe that partnership is biblical. It's why I believe it is necessary. I believe it is important because you have to have people that you are with, that you come together with. And the unfortunate thing is, we're not perfect. So yes, you may come to this church or any other church, and you will find imperfections. You will find faults. You will find flaws. And if you are new here and can't find any, just look at me. I am not perfect. But we partner together. We fellowship together. Because of Jesus and who he is. And he has called us to join him to tell this world, God loves you. That's the mission. That's why we have partners here. Because the reality is, if you look at Harvest, what are the benefits of being a member or a partner? Can anyone list the benefits? Do you get a discount at retreat if you're a partner or member? 
No, you don't. Everybody gets the same thing. How many of you have received a free copy of my book or even Pastor Dave's book? Anybody? We haven't even written one. He could probably write one. He could probably write a series, but you, you, just because you're a member, you ain't getting one. It's not happening. There's not a lot of benefits. The thing I thought of this morning is, is I was trying to, uh, um, trying to get this in my mind. It's, it's not about what you get, but what you give. So you think, oh man, I'm going to be a partner. I'm going to be, I'm going to be a partner at this church. What am I going to get? You ain't getting nothing. I'm going to ask you, what are you going to give? Now, mind you, you're going to get something. You're going to get someone who partners with you. You're going to get someone who fellowships with you. But that's really what partnership and fellowship is all about. There is no place in the mission of God for the Lone Ranger or the free agent Christian. If you're going to be a part of something, be a part of that something. If you're going to be a part of this church, be a part of the church. Get in it with us, man. It's not going to be easy, but get in it. And I would say for those of you who are currently partners but are sitting on the outside just kind of looking in and saying, yeah, that's wonderful, that's great, I want to encourage you as part of the application is get in the mix. You may be where you're at because you've been hurt by somebody in church. And I, it's easy to say go confront that person because, you know, you feel like they're not going to listen or whatever. But come back and be with us as a church because God does have a mission for this church. That mission is to proclaim Jesus to those who need him. And guess what? We all need them, even today. The preaching of the gospel is something you have to do to yourself every day, to people in this church and small group, and to people that you meet in all aspects of life. All right, so there's my uh, two-minute warning that says, okay, you're done, bro. And uh, actually, perfect timing because guess what? I am done. So I'm going to apply it in this way. There's two ways. One, individually. If you are currently a partner of this church, and you're going to look at the affirmations, If there is weakness in your fellowship, in your partnership, I'm going to ask you, stop, think, reflect, consider, how can I make that which is weak now strong? If you're sitting there, you've been an attender for 10 to 15 years, because sometimes that happens with our people who become partners, I'm going to ask you, why not just join in with us? And then finally, in a corporate sense, I'm actually going to invite some people today up because we're actually going to do a partnership induction. So we're going to see a corporate expression of what it means to come together and say, I will be with you. Now, I just had a thought. We are not a cult. Okay? So don't be sitting there thinking, suddenly they're going to go, they're going to want all my... You're going to say, where did you get with that from? I don't know. It just came into my mind, but I just don't... Because I'm saying be with us, but it's not about we're going to grab all your money and we're going to listen to your sins and when you want to leave the church, we're going to hold it against you. None of that. This church is not like that. At all. We're not perfect, but we're not like that. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.